0: Starting over after a time of great loss. Next on The Balanced Word.
1: Yes, you're grieving. Yes, life is tough. Yes, you've been hurt. And it's appropriate when you go through a loss to grieve. But it's important to know that all the life that you have left is ahead of you. And your ability to progress is dependent on whether or not you can get over whatever has happened up to this point. And you get out there and you do what you need to do. You use courage and conviction because if not, you think you've lost everything, you're going to lose a lot more if you can't figure this out. If you don't figure that this is the way that life is, take responsibility.
0: Wake up my soul. Wake up early in the day. Wake up my hand. And the instrument I play. Wake up my voice. Let the world hear me say, you are worshipped and it's all to today. We all experience loss. Maybe it's the loss of a job, a dearly loved pet, or even a family member. And while it's appropriate to grieve that loss, it's also important at some point to move forward. If you find yourself sort of stuck on the heels of a great loss, I think you'll find today's balanced word extremely helpful. Pastor Dave Rolf opens 2 Samuel chapter 19 where King David has been mourning the loss of his son. Through his experience, we'll learn some great steps that can help us become unstuck and get back to what God has called us to do.
1: Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 19. If you remember 2 Samuel 18, you know, David's son Absalom had tried to overthrow him, chased him out of Jerusalem. He's out in the wilderness. And now Absalom had armies that he was bringing to try to kill his dad. And he wasn't very good at it. Absalom ends up getting killed. So David and Israel won the war. And now he can come back and be king again. But there's a problem David loved his son Absalom so much and we looked at that last week as he's mourning over the loss of his son, his son who was trying to kill him and he's mourning and just going, Absalom, my son Absalom, I would have been glad to die instead of you. Such a deep picture of the love that God has for his people that in fact he sent his son to die for us. But you look at this, the depth of sadness that he had. And we talked about last Sunday, David's a man after God's heart because he reflected that as would the one called the son of David who identified with him, as we'll see. But so we come to chapter 19 and everything has come to a standstill. Absalom had lost. His guys were chased away or killed. The the Jews under David had won. They had defeated Absalom. But now David's just still so depressed, he can't move forward. He can't even take a victory lap. He can't even go, okay, what do we do next? He's just devastated, and he's still just sitting there crying. Now, what I want to suggest to you is that there are times in our lives when we go through something, and it just causes us to freeze, It just causes us to lock up. It causes us to put our life on hold. We become stuck. And we see this with David, but we also see how God led him to where he could then get back going and doing everything that he was called to do. And we get some clues as we look at at how David did this and how this all worked out. And I'm hoping that they'll be applicable to us, to you, if maybe you're going through a time of loss, you know. Maybe you've lost somebody that you love or lost a relationship or lost a job or feeling like other things are going downhill or you're just like, I'm old or whatever. You feel like you're stuck. We see in David in chapter 19 some ideas as to a good way to move forward. Because if you don't move forward, you're, you're done, We have to keep moving. That's the way life works. So look at chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Joab, who was David's general, he was a tough dude. He was a guy that had killed Absalom, actually. He was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So David's like crying, and they should be taking a victory lap, and instead they're like, "Mm, you know, it's kind of awkward. We can't really celebrate because David's just so depressed. And so the victory that day, verse 2, was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it said that day, the king is grieved for his son. So the people slunk back into the city. The king covered his face in verse 4, cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And then Joab came into his house to talk to him. I don't know if you have a Joab in your life. If you don't have a Joab in your life, you better learn to do it to yourself. Because sometimes you need somebody to just slap you and, you know, like Maxwell Smart used to, you know, thanks, I needed that. Or, you know, it's like you need somebody to tell you this is real life here. You better wake up and move forward. And so Joab was that guy for David, and I appreciate it. David didn't always appreciate it. Later in the chapter, he fired him. But Joab came in and said, today... Listen, what a bold guy. You have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives, the lives of your concubines, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and we had all died, you would have been really happy. It would have pleased you well. Now, therefore... Arise, Go out and speak comfort to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. This will be the worst day of your life if you don't suck it up. And get out there and be a man and talk to these people and encourage them because they saved your life and the lives of all your people and they saved your future. And, you know, ironically, they also saved the messianic line. So the king arose in verse eight and sat in the gate and they told all the people saying, there's David. He looks fine. He's sitting there. So all the people came before the king for every one of Israel had fled to his tent. Sometimes there's a moment where if you don't get it together right now, You're not going to get it together. Yes, you're grieving. Yes, life is tough. Yes, you've been hurt. And it's appropriate when you go through a loss to grieve. But it's important to know that all the life that you have left is ahead of you. And your ability to progress is dependent on whether or not you can get over whatever has happened up to this point And you get out there and you do what you need to do. You use courage and conviction. Because if not, you think you've lost everything. You're going to lose a lot more if you can't figure this out. If you don't figure that this is the way that life is. Take responsibility. So, I mean, if you have somebody like that in your life who can talk to you like that, you're really lucky. You probably hate them, but you're really lucky. At the same time, if you don't. You better learn to give yourself this pep talk, because if you're stuck, you need to get unstuck, because life continues to move forward, and every moment, every day that you spend mourning what's in the past is a day that you don't spend moving into the future, and it becomes self-fulfilling and gets worse and worse and worse. So the first step for him to be unstuck is to realize, this isn't acceptable. I can't still do this. I need to pull it together. I need to move forward because there's more at stake now than even what I've lost so far. And so he was blessed to have a guy like Joab who could do this for him. Joab had been with him from the beginning, had put his life on the line countless times. He also always got himself in trouble with David. As I said, a little bit later, David's like basically fires him. But then in the next chapter, he kills the guy that takes his place, and then he's the general from then on. Nobody really wants to take his job. But, you know, he told him the truth. And for every one of us, we need to understand this is it. How many times do you think Jesus, as he was going to die for us, felt like, I think I'll just stay here on the Mount of Transfiguration. I think I'll just stay here and just commune with my Father. But Jesus had a sense of, for this I was born, for this came I into the world. There's a reason why I'm here, and I am going to continue to pursue that which I'm called to do. And, you know, you even, the disciples tried to keep him in the game and tried to encourage him, but it was when he went went off to spend time with his Father that I think he really got that push Keep moving. Keep going. You can't quit. Jesus was tempted in everything as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews says. So was he ever tempted to quit? Better believe it. But he didn't quit. He took it, and he continued to move forward even into that last week of his life. He did what he needed to do. Now, the next thing that we see in in chapter 19 is that as the people saw that, oh, good, David's out here. They began to gather around, and all the people in verse 9, they were fighting between the tribes of Israel, talking about how they were saved, and, and Absalom versus David. And David sent to Zadok in verse 11, and Abiathar the priest, and said, speak to the elders of Israel, saying, why are you the last to bring the king back to his house, since the words of all Israel have come to the king to this very house? He goes, look, we need to get together together. You are my brethren, verse 12. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? And then he goes, tell Amasa he's going to become commander of the army continually in the place of Joab. Not a great honor to, be, to take the place of Joab, but that's another story. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah, just as the heart of one man, so that they sent this word of the king, return. You and all your servants. And then the king returned and came to the Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. So once he understood, okay, I have business. I've got to pull it together. I've got to move forward. The next thing he does is gather the people who are closest to him, the people from Judah, the people from his tribe. He got his people together And they began to encourage him, and he encouraged them. In your life, when you find yourself stuck, once you decide you're going to stop whining and being a baby, and you're going to pull it together and do life, then you need to make sure that you surround yourself by people who support you and that you support. Friendship is so important in life. All of every research that there is says that if you have Positive relationships in your life, it's the single most powerful factor for you living longer and being happy and enjoying life. Harvard has done a study, it's more than 90 years old now, that they follow these people through their lives, and that's the conclusion they came up with. There was another medical study recently that said people who have friends are like 70% more healthy and are likely to live longer than people who don't. So understanding that from what we know about people, then we go, okay, once you decide that you're going to stop feeling sorry for yourself, you need friends. You need relationships. You don't need a million friends. And again, introverts, extroverts. An introvert doesn't always feel like they need friends, but an introvert needs friends as well. They may not be energized by having a bunch of friends around, but at the same time, like for David, who's an introvert, Uh, An important step was for him to get out there with his people and to be reminded of who he is and who they are, and he began to challenge them. It's one of the reasons why in our church we put such an emphasis on small groups You know, we have small groups that discuss the message. We have our men's ministry that has men's groups. We have women's ministry with women's groups. We we do everything that we can to let people connect. It's why the season classics have movies and game nights and all that kind of stuff. It's like we want to do everything we can to connect you with each other. That's what the church is about because that's what life is about. It's so important. You can't be friends with everyone, but at least if you're going to move forward, you need to know who your friends are. You need to have relationships. And again, these are healthy, positive relationships, not people who drag you down. Sometimes you just need to distance yourself from certain people who suck the life out of you and find a way to be around people who give you life, who encourage you, who go, we're in this together. Now, if you go, I don't know, I'm all alone. I don't have any friend like that. That's probably because that's the way you are. So you better figure out what do I need to do to make healthy connections with other people because you won't survive without that. And it's just vitally important. Almost everything that we do can be done better or worse based on whether or not we're connected to people or we aren't. And so David, right away, he comes out of his agony, he sucks it up, and then he's like, you guys are my people. Now as you begin to read as he crosses the Jordan... Next thing is this guy Shemai comes along. You might remember him from earlier. Shemai was this weasel who was yelling insults at David, calling him names, throwing rocks, kicking dirt at him. And at the time, David's men wanted to kill the guy. And he's like, nah, don't worry. And so now this guy comes back, and now he's like, oh, you know, I was always your biggest fan. Like, What? And, and so then he's like bowing down. He's apologizing. I know I've sinned. I'm the first to come today. Abishai's like, can I kill him? And David goes, no, you know. Um, he, he goes, no need to do that today. Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king of Israel? Look, I won. Okay? I don't want to kill anybody right now. There's been enough killing that's taken place. Now, What that tells me, what it reminds me of as we move forward in life, when you're trying to get unstuck, you get your people. There are always going to be weasels. There are always going to be people out there who are taking cheap shots at you, saying hurtful things to you. In fact, you have memories of some of these people who have hurt you, and they're dead and you still haven't forgiven them because they're so in your head. And David's like, I am not going to give Shemai free rent in my head. If I killed him, that's like me making him important. So I wouldn't necessarily say that he forgave Shemai, but in the Bible, forgiveness really means to set something aside. So it doesn't mean that you go back the way it was before. It didn't mean that he's like, oh, now I'm going to be best friends with Shemai. No, he just says, it's not worth me getting distracted by killing somebody on a day like this when that guy is no threat to me at all. Ultimately in our lives, there are going to be people who attack us Whether or not we move forward will sometimes have to do with whether or not we get distracted with fighting battles with weasels or whether we decide, nope, not going to go there. That's not worth it. So he did that. And I think sometimes for many of us to move forward, we need to know how to just decide that some people just aren't worth it. They're not worth talking it out, having an open conversation, going to counseling together. Sometimes it's just like, you know what? Sorry. Sorry. I have a race to run, and I'm not going to let you get in my way. And so that's kind of the way he dealt with, with um, Shemmai. Then Mephibosheth comes along. Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, who, remember, had been disabled when they were running, when the war was happening, when Saul and his dad Jonathan ended up getting killed. And David had met up with him, tried to bless him, told him, hey, I'm going to give you your grandpa's, all his property is now yours. I'll sign it over to you. This guy, Ziba, your servant, will help you manage it. And, and then you're welcome to come and have dinner with me anytime you want. And then while David was chased out of town by Absalom and he's out in the wilderness, Mephibosheth's servant, Ziba, comes to him with a bunch of stuff. And David's like, where's Mephibosheth? And he goes, well, he pretty much stayed in Jerusalem and he's kind of backing, you know, your son Absalom. Sorry, but I'm here with you. So now, David's like, wow, that hurts. But. So now here's Mephibosheth. David runs into him, and he's like, hey, Mephibosheth, where have you been? And he's like, oh, that was a misunderstanding. Ziba lied to you. I, he had told me that, you know, he was going to go and tell you I'm totally with him. And, and then he told you that I'm against him. No, 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 a total misunderstanding. Here's an opportunity for David to get sidetracked, into trying to, again, decide who's right, who's wrong. Mephibosheth, Ziba. People still wonder, I, I don't know if Ziba was lying or telling the truth. I don't think David knew if, you know, Mephibosheth was like, no, no, I love you, I love you, I love you. Then look what David said to him was, tell you what, I don't have time for this. And so he said, you guys can split the stuff in verse 29. Why do you speak any more of your matters? I'm not interested in your problems, personal problems. I have said, you and Zeba divide the land. Mephibosheth's like, no, no, he can have it all. Something about this story doesn't add up. But you know what? In life, there are all kinds of issues that don't add up. And we have to decide, am I going to get distracted into trying to solve somebody else's problems? Or am I going to stay on course for what God has called me to do? And so David leaves us wondering about what's the deal with Ziba and Mephibosheth. He doesn't take a stand. And I think sometimes in our lives when we see people who there are these disputes, well, there's this guy or there's an election or there's this or that. There's this side. There's that side. Like, okay, I need to solve this. No, you don't. Just move past it. You have more important things to do. God has more important callings on your life than for you to be the peacemaker of the world between people who can't get along. And sometimes you just have to say, you settle it. Good parents understand this at some point, that they can't constantly be the referee when their kids are fighting amongst themselves. Sometimes you just have to say, you guys go and settle this on your own, and neither one of you is coming out of the room until you tell me that you have a solution. Because it isn't always my job to be the judge in every circumstance. Now there may be somebody right and somebody wrong. Of course there is. There's always different perspectives, but David had a race to run. And so he's like, guys, just cut the baby in half, deal with it. I'm moving on.
0: You're listening to The Balanced Word with our pastor and teacher, Dave Rolfe. Today's message is part of our study in First and Second Samuel called Kingdom Building. Stay with us for more teaching from Pastor Dave in just a moment. These programs are available by podcast at TheBalancedWord.com. You can also call and request a CD copy at 949-362-7475. You might also want to request the entire Kingdom Building series, again at 949-362-7475. We'd also like to offer you Pastor Dave's Through the Bible in a Year series on a USB thumb drive for a gift of $25 or more. Go through the Bible in a year with Pastor Dave by ordering this special series today. Again, call 949-362-7475 or order online at TheBalancedWord.com. Your gifts help to make these shows possible on stations like this one all across the nation. Thank you for standing with us with either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support. Donations can be made at TheBalancedWord.com. Have you had a chance to listen to Pastor Dave's one-minute messages? You can listen to those at thebalancedword.com and even join our mailing list so you can have them delivered to you each day. You can watch them on Instagram or Facebook too by following CC Pacific Hills. Pastor Dave would love to have you join us at Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel. Our service times on Sunday morning are at eight, nine forty-five, and eleven thirty. Directions and more information about the church can be found online at ccPacificHills.org. You can watch our live stream there too. Ccpacifichills.org. If we can pray for you in any way, we ask that you contact us through TheBalancedWord.com or by calling us at 949-362-7475. You could probably think of someone that was really there for you during a hard time and encouraged you in some measure. Pastor Dave says it's always a good idea to say thank you to them.
1: This guy bars the lie, the Gileadite comes on. he's not even Jewish. But he was a rich guy who had been helping David and his men when he had run away and headed out into the wilderness. This guy was feeding him and giving him places to stay and everything. So now here he is as David's ready to cross the Jordan and David stops. And you know, this guy was very aged at 80. So if you're 80, you're very aged. And I used to I mean, I'm going to be 70 this year. And I'm like, Phew. there's nobody that thinks 70 is not old. man. I am old. And so I relate to this guy for sure, <laughs> especially when he says, I can't taste my food anymore. I can't, you know. But anyway, and he had helped the king with possessions. He was very rich. And the king said to Barzillai in verse 33, come across with me and I will provide for you while you're with me in Jerusalem. He's like, come on. You can move in, and I'll give you a little senior's apartment over here and take care of you. And Barclay, I love this, he goes, How long am I going to live anyway? Why do I want to go to Jerusalem? I'm 80 years old. You understand? Can I discern between the good and bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my Lord the King? So he goes, you just go on. And David's like, okay. And But then he expressed his gratitude to him. And he took one of his guys and said, let him come. And I'll give him whatever he wants because I really owe you. And, and the king kissed Barzillai in verse 39 and blessed him. And he returned to his own place. Now, David didn't take the time to deal with Shammai. David didn't take the time to deal with Mephibosheth and Ziba, but now he takes the time for this old codger who had helped him and it seemed like, yeah, David knew right where he was going, but this was special to him. And I would suggest to you that it's never a waste of time to say thank you to someone who has been there for you. That is not a distraction. That's at the core of who we are. So I don't want to spend my energy solving other people's problems. I don't want to spend my energy trying to listen to somebody explain, but I better. When I'm moving, I better be willing to stop and say thank you to people who have really encouraged me, who have really been there for me.
0: Maybe someone comes to mind, a person you should really say thank you to for what they've done for you? Take that step. Our Kingdom Building series resumes next time on The Balanced Word with Pastor Dave Raw. This program is brought to you by Pacific Hills Calvary Chapel in Aliso Viejo. Wake up my soul, wake up early in the day, wake up my hands, and